we're going to talk about the magic of fasting, how fasting cures cancer and COVID-19 and reverses aging and makes you more interesting at cocktail parties. Just kidding. But today we are going to dive into this special two-part series to separate fact from fiction so that you can make a better informed choice on whether is fasting whether fasting is right for you or not. And the issue with fasting is that it is super popular. In fact, there is a report from the International Food Council that says that in 2018 and 2019, fasting was one of the top two diets in the US. And just three years ago, fasting wasn't even among the diets listed in that ranking. And we keep hearing about it more and more. We hear about fasting and intermittent fasting and uh, water fasting and juice fasting and autophagy and all these other words, all these other claims. And today we're gonna do our best to separate fact from fiction in part one. And then in part two, I'm going to share my own personal reasons why I think fasting can be beneficial and what I've personally learned from doing it and from my clients' experiences as well. What's up, my friend? My name is Ted Rice. I'm a health expert and coach to entrepreneurs, executives, and other high-performing professionals. If this is your first time listening to the show, what we do here is the very tall order of separating the science from the hype and adding nuance to the claims that you hear out there on the internet with regards to nutrition, health, exercise, etc. Not easy stuff. And if that's what you're interested in, then make sure you click subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts so that every time one of my episodes comes out, one of my solo episodes, special series like this, or my interviews, or the Real Talk Fridays, you'll be the first to know once you subscribe. All right, so let's get into it. What are we going to talk about today? Again, we are going to dive into what fasting is, the types of fasting, the health benefits of fasting. And we can talk about the risks of fasting today. And in the second episode, I'm going to be going into my own personal reasons that I think fasting is good or not good, right? Because it's not good for everybody, that's for sure. But who can benefit from it? What I learned from my fasting experiences and an invitation to do a fast with me. So a special invitation at the end. And with me leading you through the process. So let's talk about fasting. What is it? Well, fasting is simply when you don't eat. And people fast for many different reasons, and there's many types of fasting. But uh, what I want to tell you is this. There's three big types. You can We can break it down into intermittent fasting, short-term fasting, and uh, prolonged or periodic fasting fasting. So what is intermittent fasting? You probably heard it. The 16-8 diet, lean gains, right? Where you fast for 16 hours and you eat all your food in an eight-hour window. That's an example of intermittent fasting. The 5-2 diet where you eat normally for five days, but for two days, you eat 600 calories a day or less for guys, 500 calories a day or less for women. 
And uh, that's just for two days. Actually had a client, Tim, I don't know if you still listen, but Tim was doing the 5-2 diet, Tim from the UK. Actually, the 5-2 diet is very popular in the UK and not as popular in in America. Uh, There's also Eat, Stop, Eat, where you just fast for 24 hours once a week. So you eat normally for six days, then one day a week, you go without eating for one whole day. There's also just random meal skipping, which is kind of what I do when I implement intermittent fasting. So intermittent fasting, in other words, is right. You you have these periods of time where you're where you're kind of going with uh, either a few hours a day where you're not, or a bunch of hours a day where you're not eating, and, and you keep your eating into an eight hour, six hour window. 5-2 diet where you're keeping your calories really low on two days, right? Uh, eat, stop, eat, where you fast for an entire day. So short-term fasting is fasting for a couple of days, right? So people do this because it triggers a process called autophagy. Autophagy literally means self-eating, right? Auto Phagy, <laughs> it means auto means you know yourself and eating like autonomous, right? Root. So the discovery of autophagy won the Nobel Prize in Medicine for 2016. Actually, the the discovery of the mechanisms and what it basically is is that the cells have some parts that kind of wear out and get old and create debris, and what happens is. Autophagy helps you kind of uh, clean that out. And then there's prolonged fasting where you're going for a long time without fasting. If you've watched the recent Netflix Unwell series, it has a, a, that series has an episode about fasting. And in there, some people are doing 28-day fasts. In fact, I don't necessarily recommend watching it. It it was a bit disturbing for me because you saw a couple of really disturbing situations. One, a guy died because he did a 28-day water fast. So the only thing that he had was water during this period. And it wasn't wasn't medically supervised. And he ended up uh, getting problems, which we'll, we'll talk about a little bit, but ended up dying from what specifically is something called refeeding syndrome. It takes a long time to die from fasting, aka starvation from long, prolonged fasting. But what happens is once you start eating again from a long fast, you can have something called refeeding syndrome, which is a disruption in the electrolyte levels of your body. Electrolytes are sodium, potassium, magnesium, chloride, And what happens is your electrolyte levels get out of whack and you can go into cardiac arrest. So I'm not an expert on refeeding syndrome. That would be something to talk to a doctor about some, a doctor that, you know, has information about this, has knowledge regarding this. Don't know if all of them do why I'm saying that, but the point is that it can be very dangerous, right? So, so those are the different types of fasting. There's also religious fasting, right? People fast for religious reasons. And um, so fasting is not new. 
Jesus supposedly went 40 days without food and water in the desert. Can't be water. I don't, sorry, I don't know that story, but uh, that, that's a story from the Bible. Don't know if it's true or not. Also in Islam, there's a time in, or, or a holiday. I'm not sure what to call it, but a ceremony called Ramadan that lasts for, I forget how long it lasts for, but um, you don't eat any food between sunrise and sunset. And uh, Seventh-day Adventists have found that having largest meal of the day at breakfast time and eating fewer calories later in the day helps them live for a very long time without disease and keeps their BMI level lower. So hopefully all that's clear. And let's talk about the health benefits of fasting. So one of the things that kind of annoys me here is that uh, a lot of people think fasting is either you're doing it or not doing it. And we're going to talk about what modified fasting is. And um, we'll talk about that in a bit. Talk mostly about that on the second day, on the second series, or series part two. But basically what fasting does is it helps you reduce your calorie intake because it limits the number of hours in a day that you eat. For example, if you're eating, let's say you eat breakfast around 7 a.m. in the morning and you have dinner at 7 p.m. It's 12 hours of eating and you probably snack in between your meals. So if you took that 12-hour time period and crunched it down into eight hours or six hours, it's just less time to eat. The benefit of this is that you may, and emphasis here on may, reduce your calorie intake if you shorten your window, shorten the number of hours that you can eat. Okay. So here's the thing here is that um, I don't, I don't want to get too much into this because I'm going to talk more about you know my personal opinions on the second day, but I will say this is that uh, there have been studies that have found that that fasting works as well as calorie restriction and sometimes works better than calorie restriction for losing fat, okay? But I want you to understand this. It really comes down to calories. And so what we're saying here is, hey, by doing fasting, I can restrict my calories instead of paying attention to the foods that I eat, paying attention to the portion sizes, and then I'll lose some fat. So just to understand, it helps you to reduce your calories. Now, another thing that people on the internet, influencers and quote unquote experts talk about is autophagy, which is that automatic process where the body cleanses itself, right? It starts to it starts to clear away the debris, the parts of the cells that have gotten old or that are um, you know, just need to be replaced. So it helps that process happen. So a couple of things about this is that autophagy, and you may have heard things like, well, autophagy can help with cancer and uh, autophagy can help you live longer and all types of things with autophagy, right? And the reality is autophagy isn't something that we understand that well. Uh, let's take the cancer situation, for example. 
This is, I'm, I'm reading this. This is from a review entitled Autophagy and Health and Disease, a Comprehensive Review, done in August of 2018. It says that in the context of cancer, autophagy has shown to play a puzzling role where it serves as a tumor suppressor during initial stages, but later protects the tumor cells from the immune system defense mechanisms. So um, what does that mean? It means that in the initial stages, it can suppress tumor growth or maybe even the start of a tumor, right? But later, it can actually protect the cancer tumor from your immune system. So autophagy isn't great all the time, according to this comprehensive review. It's not great for cancer because one of the things that they'll that you'll see said is that, oh, yeah, if you're if you're worried about cancer or, or if you have cancer, do fasting. In fact, uh, someone we're going to talk about, Walter Longo, who has a product that we'll, we'll be talking about, has done some research on this and has used fasting or actually what he calls a fasting mimicking diet uh, to help with cancer. But again, this review shows that sometimes that the autophagy triggered by caloric restriction, by uh, fasting, can actually protect the tumor from your immune system. So here's another clip or quote from that comprehensive review on autophagy. It says, similarly, Muscular and heart disorders have been shown to be positively and negatively regulated by autophagy, respectively. In the present, okay, so it talks about like, hey, it can be positive for muscles, but negative with heart disorders. And so there's a lot of situations here where autophagy can help but can also make things worse depending on the situation, the context. Oh, don't we all hate that? Don't we all want just a black and white answer? Unfortunately, we don't live in a world where things are so clear cut. So we've got to apply our brain a little bit more. We have got to apply some critical thinking, not just say, hey, you got cancer, man. You got to fast, man. Why? Because autophagy. Well, it could help depending on what stage you're in. But um, it can also protect the tumor, according to this review, if it's too far along. So one thing that is important to keep in mind is that as we age, the autophagy process starts to become less active. And um, it could be why some neurodegenerative disorders that are marked by the accumulation of these, you know, proteins, these like the like the tau protein and the synuclein protein. It might be part of uh, why certain neurodegenerative disorders start to develop is because this this autophagy process starts to become less. So it seems that there is something to autophagy. There are health benefits to autophagy, but it's really context dependent. And I'm going to share my own personal opinions. Again, that'll be in series two or part two, <laughs> series two. Got to bear with me today. I'm doing my best. Uh, <laughs> I kind of skipped breakfast today, so I'm a little bit lightheaded. 
and not really on purpose, but uh, just kind of how it happened. So that's autophagy. As you can tell, the big takeaway I want you to take away from that is that autophagy is something that may be beneficial in certain situations, but not beneficial in others. So we really have to apply our brains, right? Another thing that happens with caloric restriction slash fasting is that there's been measured decreases in C-reactive protein. Now, if you don't know what C-reactive protein is, it's a marker of inflammation. It's a biomarker of inflammation, if you will. So in other words, you've heard about inflammation and maybe chronic systemic inflammation. So inflammation that is kind of all over your body being part of what's either contributing or even causing some of the problems that we deal with, like heart disease, like diabetes. So so if you wanted to measure someone's inflammation levels, C-reactive protein is one of those biomarkers. You can go to a doctor, get a blood test, and get a C-reactive protein measurement to tell you how much you have. And so fasting has been shown to help lower that. Another thing that's interesting is that um, if you have rheumatoid arthritis, there's some interesting studies showing that fasting can help a lot with rheumatoid arthritis. So let's talk about weight loss. Well, how great is it? Because most people, what they're interested in is, I want to lose the fat. I want to lose the weight. So a trial from 2017 found that intermittent fasting resulted in a similar amount of weight loss as traditional dieting. And the difference here is the traditional dieting is really paying attention to your food, whereas intermittent fasting is just kind of like, hey, kind of kind of eat better, but only eat in this in the hours, right? In these eight hours or six hours or whatever. Another study kind of backing up what we just talked about found that Again, simply by reducing the eating window of 14 hours to 10 or 11 hours per day, boosted weight loss. So if you're a person who has breakfast at 7 a.m., but you know you have dinner at 7 p.m., but kind of snack and have your last snack at 9 p.m., if you, if you shorten that window, if you close that window from 9 p.m. to... 5 p.m., let's say, again, you started your, having your first meal at 7 a.m. and you had your last meal at 5 p.m., that would help you with weight loss. Now, again, I want to return to this and tell you that, again, there's nothing special about fasting. The growth hormone, I guess we should talk about that. Growth hormone uh, is not causing the fat burning. Neither is the autophagy it is the caloric restriction. You can lose body fat eating as frequently as you want as long as you keep the calories in check. But the argument here is that, and the evidence here, is that intermittent fasting can help you without really thinking too much about your food. You just lower the number of hours, shorten the window that you eat. So let's talk about intermittent fasting or fasting and risk of heart disease, diabetes, and depression. So some studies have found that intermittent fasting 
could help reduce the risk of heart disease since it's been shown to improve cholesterol levels, reduce damage from free radicals, and decrease blood pressure. It's also been shown to reduce the risk of diabetes. And it's been shown to do that to the same degree as traditional calorie restriction. Now, the thing here is, going back to what we talked about before, there's also studies showing that you can fast and not lose any weight at all. In fact, that's what happened to me when I was doing intermittent fasting. Again, I'm going to save most of this for the part two, but what happened with me is that I thought there was something magical to intermittent fasting. So I basically would have coffee in the morning and sometimes bulletproof coffee. I did that for a while. This was about probably seven, eight years ago. And what happened was that I was super lightheaded, slightly irritable, and then I would have my first meal around noon or 1 p.m., and I would just eat a a ton of food, right? Uh, So I didn't lose any weight because I ate the same amount of food. I just ate it in a smaller window. So another thing, let's talk about uh, fasting and depression. One study found a significant reduction in anger confusion, and mood issues in a group group of older men who are following intermittent fasting. And um, here's the thing. While uh, it's nice to read this, it's still in a situation where it's like, okay, not a lot of benefit. And it doesn't show that there's anything special about fasting versus caloric restriction. So let's talk about intermittent fasting and aging. So one thing, and this is, uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll state my opinion at the end here, but I'll, I'll briefly touch on it now. Short-term fasting is the thing that I'm most interested in and specifically a modified fast. So I'll talk a little bit about what that is because I haven't mentioned the modified fast idea yet, but I want to talk about this for a bit, uh, this fasting and aging situation. So there's some evidence that intermittent fasting can promote healthy aging by improving that cellular repair, regeneration, and reducing inflammation and free radical damage. So we've talked about the autophagy a a little bit already. So that plays a part here. And we've also talked about caloric restriction helps with this too. But it seems that we can boost autophagy. And I'm not totally 100% clear on this, but it seems that it takes a few days, two or three days to really ramp up autophagy. And that may not occur if you are doing a traditional, like what I teach in my coaching program, I teach people how to dial their calories in, their macros in. People lose 20 to 30 to even 40 pounds in 12 weeks of working with me. And as you can imagine, that improves all types of measurements. It improves their body fat percentage, improves their BMI, improves their cholesterol levels, their uh, blood pressure, their fasting glucose, their hemoglobin A1C. So markers of, of health, in other words. But one thing that it doesn't do is maybe ramp up this autophagy process, which again, we've already touched on how it can cause problems or help be helpful depending on the context. So let's move on from that because, I, I, again, I'm going to 
I'm, I'm trying to, what I'm attempting to do here in this part one is to unpack some of the science for you, just so that we understand that we're, we're on an even playing field. We understand the autophagy, understand the, the terminology and um, some of the nuances here, right? So let's talk about the health risks of fasting. So who should avoid fasting? Are you underweight? Not a typical problem, but it, some people do have it. So uh, some people are underweight. For example, my business partner, Giselle, was underweight, and I actually used food tracking and portion size measuring to help her gain weight in a healthy way because she was under eating due to some migraine headaches and to some stomach uh, pain that she was getting. And as a result, she would eat, but she wouldn't eat that much. So, uh, and we also did some other things to identify food triggers to the migraines and the triggers, food triggers that cause the gastritis. That was a big part of it too, but we had to help her to eat more because she didn't realize she was underweight because she was under eating. And by the way, she wasn't ripped either. Okay. So under eating and being um, underweight, it, it doesn't mean you're looking awesome. If you think that being ripped looks awesome, doesn't necessarily mean that because uh, she didn't, she wasn't overweight. She didn't look fat or anything. And sorry to say that maybe that uh, doesn't come across the the nicest way, but she didn't look like, oh, wow, she really needs to lose some fat. But she didn't look, my point was that even though she was underweight, even though that she was under eating, she didn't look like, um, you know, like, oh, well, is that the secret to looking awesome? You just, you know, become underweight and you undereat? No, it takes a bit more what, I, what I'm the point that I hope that you're taking away from this is to really change the way you look, to change your body composition. It re- really takes more of a targeted approach. And so many people who uh, try to go the under eating route end up in that situation. They don't look, they're like, wow, I really thought I'd look a lot better. Well, you, you lost too much muscle. So, anyway, I'm on a tangent a bit, but just to tell you that if you're underweight, you shouldn't mess around with fasting. In fact, if you watch, I talked about the Netflix series Unwell and how that one person died after doing a 28-day water fast. He was already underweight is what the situation seemed like. So another group is children. Your children need regular nutrients. Now, even if they have a weight problem, it doesn't, uh, now I'm no expert on this, but I'll tell you, having your children fast, probably not a great idea. Probably better to rein in their nutrition some other way. Also, pregnant or breastfeeding women and people with certain diseases. For example, my dad has a issue with his kidney. He's got some other issues. He also takes a lot of medication. I would never try to get him to do fasting, although a few decades ago, it might have worked really well for him. So another thing is if you are prone to disordered eating, because fasting can be a bit extreme. So if you if you have a tendency, if you've been diagnosed, if you have an active or have been diagnosed in the past with an eating disorder, don't mess with fasting. By the way, females, uh, women can be more susceptible to this. 
A study of teenage girls found that those who fasted were at higher risk of developing bulimia and binge eating behavior as compared to those who dieted in a more traditional way. So those are things to keep in mind. And I shouldn't need to say this, but I will. Prolonged fasting, we're, we're, we're talking about going days and days and days without eating. Uh, I saw some a YouTuber talk about going several weeks just drinking water on the Netflix series, Unwell. I've already talked about several people who underwent 28-day fasts. So it can cause issues, right? So prolonged fasting, there may be some cases for it, but if you do it, do it with medical supervision and make sure that you are checked out. Don't do this on your own. This is going to sound horrible, but if you're the type of person who thinks that doing something extreme like a prolonged fast on their own, you're kind of getting what you're you're, you're you, and, and something doesn't work out for you, you're kind of getting what you asked for. You're getting the consequences of your actions. So what I'm kind of saying here is be responsible. Get medical advice. If you've got a medical condition, if, you've, if you want to fast, get medical supervision. And even then, it's not really clear if it's something that you should do. People have died, right? So it's not something that you should take lightly and not something that, hey, I'm going to go 28 days without food because Jesus went for 40. That was someone someone in the Unwell series, the fasting episode. That's what she said. Oh, if Jesus went 40 days, I can go 28 days. Look, that's a story from a book. Uh, might be real, might not be, but <laughs> if let's say it's real, he was the son of God. So maybe he has some extra special protection. I don't know. The point is be smart about this and don't take this stuff so lightly. Don't take fasting, going without food so lightly. Beside death may, or, or developing a serious medical consequence is certainly the worst situation that can happen from a prolonged fast. But I'll tell you another thing. Developing an eating disorder is pretty bad too. So keep that in mind. Be smart about this. Be smart about who you listen to and make sure that whoever you're listening to, they present a balanced balanced perspective when it comes to the benefits uh, and also the potential risks when doing something like going completely without food. Now, you'll hear people talk about the evidence showing that humans may have just had fasting as a natural part of their life because of the cycles of feast or famine. And you'll also hear about like, well, the thrifty genotype talking about how some of the genes that we come with that seem to influence our behavior to drive obesity are due to the fact that we've evolved to benefit from periods of fasting. We're we're designed to defend weight loss. We're designed to make it very hard for, for us to lose weight, but very easy for us to gain weight, right? And so just keep that in mind. And uh, so keep that in mind. Keep the entire perspective in mind. And that wraps up part one. Now, I know that was a bit maybe dense. Um, I did my best to really unpack all the science that was worth talking about and to give my perspective 
In part two, we're going to break down my own personal experiences, beliefs, and the experiences of my clients when it comes to fasting. And we'll also talk about what I believe is the best approach here. So if you enjoyed this even a little, you're going to enjoy the next one. It'll be much less clunky and scientific and more of a conversation about uh, what I really think are the benefits to fasting. So I've tried to cover the the evidence here for fasting and uh, include a bit of my opinion, but next will be just me talking about what, just very straightforwardly, this is what I believe fasting is good for based on my experience, based on what I know about the literature. And here's what I recommend. So if you're interested in that, you want to listen to part two. And if you'd like to join me for the five-day fasting challenge, I've got a special invitation for you. So my team and I have been working day and night on this brand new free five-day fasting challenge created specifically to help you get the many benefits of a five-day fast, but without giving up food. Personally, this is something that I'm going to try myself. This is what I'm personally interested in it. I've never done it before, but I'm going to, I guess, donate my time to guide you through the process, to answer questions, to talk about it with you. So in this challenge, we're going to be using the first and only patented five-day fasting mimicking diet called Prolon. And this Prolon kit that you get gently guides your body into a fasting state to get all the health benefits that I talked about in these episodes, but without giving up food completely. So you'll still be able to enjoy some tasty snacks, some tasty meals. But again, this is going to kick off on September 12th. So the challenge starts on September 12th. The first thing you need to do if you're interested in joining is go to legendarylifepodcast.com slash fasting. That's legendarylifepodcast.com slash fasting. And then you'll get all the details on where to sign up to the group, as well as how to buy Prolon while receiving $25 off using our special code. So I just want to be clear here. There's no cost for joining the challenge where I'll be leading you for free uh, during this challenge. But the Prolon is not something I'm selling. You'll have to buy it from El Nutra. And we are going to get you $25 off. So I just wanted to be clear about that. And again, if this is something that you're into, I want you to take action right now because we have limited spots in the challenge. We want you, if this seems right for you, to take the challenge, to get back on track and to maybe break some of those bad habits that you've created like I have during the quarantine, during the lockdown and helping to jumpstart a leaner, healthier, more energetic you after all the craziness that we've been through the past few months. So I hope that's clear. And to learn more, again, go to legendarylifepodcast.com slash fasting. That's it for today. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Hope you'll join me if you feel that a five-day modified fast or fasting mimicking diet is right for you and I will see you there.